0: Welcome to the uh, Michael Savage Podcast. Today's show, you want to call it a show, is about abortion. So you say, well, I don't know if I want to listen to it. It's a really terrible topic. We're going to cover the ethical and moral aspects of this question of the overturning of Roe, really, and turning it back to the states from both the ethical, moral, religious, and of course, the political perspectives. But I want to begin with a story about birds. Why birds? Because... I have little starlings around my house and this is their breeding season and it's something to watch. These little birds, they're so inspiring with their songs and their tweeting and their constant building of nests to have, uh, you know, little little starlings and I wonder how in the hell do they go on and we don't. How did all of nature not lose track of the essential nature of life, which is to give life, to salute life, to bring life into the world, and to create the continuum that God wanted. How is it that we, of all the animals on earth, are the only species that I know of that have lost their weight on this? In other words, these little birds, they constantly try to build a nest outside one of my windows. And I can't have them do it because I can't open the window. It's a casement window that winds open and winds close. And they put the twigs in there. And I can't let them do it. So I'm constantly shooing the twigs away and saying, please, guys, build it somewhere else. And they look at me from the neighbor's roof and they tweet at me. And I say, I'm sorry. This little redheaded male, he's so protective. And so on the other side of my house, I noticed that they built nests in, um, well, above like right under the eaves of the eave of the other house in some secluded place. And heartbreakingly, I went there the other day, and one of the tiny little eggs was broken on the ground because the crows are very aggressive here. There have been reports of crow attacks all around the San Francisco area. And I see crows when I try to feed these little birds pieces of bread. The crows come down, and they're never here, and the crows grab them. I live near the water. And I throw bread to the, to the uh, seagulls. They eat them for years. But I've never seen crows here. Crows broke the nest open and stole the little eggs. And it's heartbreaking. to say, well, all right, what are you going to do? How can you get crying over this now? I mean, where are you going to go with all of this? I can become a Jane, J-A-I-N, and sweep a piece of cloth in front of my nose as I walk down the street for fear that I'm destroying sentient creatures in the dust, which they do in India, by the way. is an entire sect. So how sensitive do you want to be? I still love the birds and I don't know what to do for them. I have to sweep their twigs away because they're taking over my window frame. But the question remains, how is it that even birds have not lost their way with regard to recreating life, reproducing life, keeping the continuum going forward? How is it that we as a species have started to commit suicide and turned it into a national sport? That's one of the questions for today on the Michael Savage podcast. Michael Savage, a host like no other. Welcome back to the Michael Savage podcast. We're talking about a very, very sensitive and difficult subject called abortion in plain English. Now, when I was young, I was involved with different women. And I remember my first abortion, not mine, it was hers, but mine as well. To this day, I ask myself, who would that child have been? Most of the time as an older person, I'm lonely. Who would he be or who would she be? Having had lost a brother who was born uh, brain damaged, I was very frightened to have a child. I was afraid it was genetic, which it wasn't, but I didn't know it at the time. And so I'm not justifying the decision to have an abortion, but I will tell you this Had I not had an abortion with this individual God bless her soul. I Wouldn't be where I am today. I would have been stuck in a life that I could never have gotten out of in poverty and Probably I certainly never would have been in the radio business never in a million years. It's just the way it worked out So I'm gonna read this to you called his first abortion And this uh, story was published in a very poorly received, no one even knows it was published, novel published by a small publisher in 1983. You can't even find a copy of this book. But this story called His First Abortion was written, according to this book, in, I'm going to just read this to you, I'm straight out with it, Queens, New York, 1967. His First Abortion by Michael Savage. I remember it as vividly as if it occurred yesterday, and here it is. Three, two, one, go. The roaches scattered as they opened the peeling door to the nurse's flat. The insects seem freer than us, thought Samuel. The roaches sense danger and run from it, but it's not that way in my world. How easy it would be to walk away from the whole scene. Just pick myself up and leave. I could take the D train to the village go to the Kiwi drink and laugh and talk and think. But he knew that the escape he had just plotted would lead him right back to Harlem. He was the responsible type not very responsible verbally but in any situation you knew he would do the right thing. He could be depended upon to face most emergencies well. Samuel was very uneasy as the chain locks were unbolted. He wondered why they had not gone to that doctor in Mexico who charged $600 and be done with it. At least that horrible feeling of sitting anxiously as if you had been condemned to some horrible life in Jackson Heights for the rest of your natural years would be over. The nurse's face finally appeared. It was mulatto, thin, freckled, and assuredly fixed. The young couple from another borough entered, their shoulders bent forward. The girl was soon led behind a curtain while the boy was put in front of a television set. Samuel became bitter as he watched Joey Giardello take a terrific beating from some Argentinian behemoth on the screen while Karen was having a six-inch rubber tube inserted into her womb. He turned from his viewing seat to watch the shadows show him the uglier performance. Karen was lying on her back on a kitchen table while the nurse was opening a specula, The mulatto used an unshaded lamp to inspect humanity's cave. She then inserted the long thin rubber tube from the douche bag, which hung from a nail on the cracked wall. Karen gripped the table as the sterile water traveled into her womb. Samuel played back the conversation they had had when the arrangements were first made. It is a simple natural process, she had told him. I force the sterile water into the womb and pack it with moist gauze. The body will immediately start on its natural course to reject this foreign matter. Although the water is sterile, the lecture continued, the womb rejects it. How does that rid us of the fetus, asked Samuel. The nurse patiently explained, the body cannot select and hold on to one thing while rejecting another inside the womb. When the water comes out, all the tissue that has grown must come out with it. Remembering the basic physiology from classes at the Municipal College, Samuel inquired, how can we be certain that a clot won't be left inside? In the midst of the bargaining and the lecture, Karen surprised both principals by asking the nurse to explain in more detail. She added, Samuel is going to medical school in the fall. The nurse had looked at Samuel with a sort of jealous interest as she asked him at which school he would be studying. He replied and she proceeded to answer, this time with a few new technical words. If an embolism does occur, Karen will have a continuing pain. If this occurs, she is to take the black pills I will give you. By dilating the wound, this drug will force out all the remaining tissue. Not really secure with her explanation, Samuel had noddingly agreed with her anyway. After the fight, the nurse came into the living room with a bearing one would expect of a surgeon who had just completed a very difficult operation. She sat down and repeated very explicit instructions to the nervous young man. Slowly, Karen walked in looking rather unfluttered. The nurse continued, Go home and move around very actively. Within 24 hours, you should be finished. After that, come back to me for a penicillin shot and some pills. Would it be much pain, Karen questioned? Only pain that is bearable, replied the nurse. You American girls can't bear any real pain, she added. As soon as it comes, you lay down in bed. This is not good. You must remain very active right until the whole thing drops out of you. How will I know when it's going to happen, quizzed Karen. The pains will continue until tomorrow, and then towards the evening, they they will increase. When this happens, go to the bathtub and wait for the whole mess to come out. Karen winced at the word mess. She thought the whole world is a mess, she meant to say, but instead continued in her practical role. What will it look like, she said disgustingly, disgustedly, like a piece of leather with ripples in it. The fetus will only be a white speck, so you won't see it unless you look carefully, replied the mulatto nurse. Samuel wondered where this clinical woman had learned her tricks. Perhaps it was in a hospital, he guessed. In any case, he disliked her. She's probably a dyke anyway and gets pleasure from this game, continued the scared mind. Suddenly, Samuel became aware of the conversation. He saw that the nurse had performed her task and was now just talking patiently in expectation of her fee. How much do I owe you, he asked, knowing the price in advance? $200. Samuel withdrew the two bills that were securely tucked into his shoe I handed them over. The nurse continued her instructions to Karen as she unfolded the two bills, looked at them, refolded them, and packed the money away in her purse. Samuel, disgusted with the situation and very anxious to be away from there, said to Karen, I think we ought to leave now. His girlfriend rose from the couch, and the three of them proceeded to the heavily bolted door. The nurse, now happy, added a few sentences of concern as she clattered the last few chains free. Be sure to take those pills and be sure to call me, she offered, and then, and then they were gone. Karen gripped Samuel's arm as they proceeded very slowly down the three flights of ugly steps, not speaking. As they walked through the archaic hallway with high, bat wren ceilings, they tried not to run. They passed through a heavy oak door into the fresh, river-scented air. Turning to the right and down the block, they passed a row of peering eyes that were attached to bodies, which were drinking and talking and playing drums in the summer night. At the corner, they turned right again towards the river and hailed a taxi on the broad but quiet street. They breathed freely as the cab moved through the burning city. I feel shitty, Karen admitted, half-crying. Where do you hurt? Oh, I hurt all over, but I feel shitty, she said, emphasizing the last phrase. Karen, please, it's all over now, begged Samuel. I thought we went through this before. He assaulted further. Besides, we're free now. From what demanded Karen with a now tepid glare from the burden of a child that we couldn't really afford. Really, you know all this. Why go into it again? I feel disgusted, she said in a burst of tears. I hate this whole show. Samuel remained silent as he held Karen and watched the black supporting girders of the elevator train f- filing past the speeding cab. These girders seemed to evoke the entire sequence of events of the preceding weeks. He remembered the waiting and the phone calls and the maybes and the no and the rabbit tests and the tickets to Puerto Rico. There they faced the address of doctors, which did not pan out. And then again, the taxiing jet and the blackjack dealer who knew somebody. And the hot room and the endless rum and coke and the waiting for the call and more rum and the disappointment and the last day spent in frantic search for a doctor. And then the long, tired plane ride back, sitting next to an old gray man in Bermuda shorts, the last-minute contacts in New York and this... Every event of the past weeks was clear, but the moments Samuel had spent waiting seemed clearer. As the taxi raced beneath the train tracks, the young man wondered why a sequence of time in which nothing happened seemed more meaningful than the active racing moments. Queens, New York, nineteen sixty seven, his first abortion. I don't think you've ever read that anywhere, and nor would you ever read it again unless someone steals it like they do so many other great ideas from me. The Savage Nation, it's Savage On Demand. I'm going to conclude this short story from my novel Vital Signs published way back when with another short story called The Would-Be Doctor. You ready for this one? It was a hot and sticky July day on 2nd Avenue. Dr. Polakoff was taking me to the hospital, Mount Sinai where I was born no less, to watch a quote operation. I was playing around at the time with the idea of becoming a doctor and this friend of my father, another first generation Russian Jewish immigrant, offered to show me what it was really like. I was 16, wore a flat top haircut and lifted weights. I was kind of small for my age by US standards, but of average height in Spain, which I found out three years later on a trip to the Balearic Islands. At that time, I no longer wanted to be anything except a quote, writer. I'd learned to say in French, je suis écrivain." it sounded good. The French I tried it on during that trip looked impressed. It didn't smack of white coat commercialism where health and sickness were like a commodity exchange. The only writer I had heard of, aside from Sholem Aleichem, whose stories had really touched my crazed urge to learn everything about my father and his generation, was Hemingway. Tough, hairy, mean, but sensitive. He survived his own plane crash. Liked to pose in tents with big game guns and long-boned women and drank too much. All of this had real appeal to a 16-year-old trying to make up his mind about a career. But doctoring had first to be eliminated. I never liked doctors. I went into biology at college because I flunked out of the Sputnik space race physics program. It was too abstract for a brown-eyed boy lover of furry animals and jiggling creatures beneath a microscope ever since first grade. (laughs) They gowned me. I stood there with about three or four other gowned operating room people. Patient wheeled in. Gruff, friendly brisk. Dr. Polakov begins his cut. Hernia, slashes abdominal wall with a gentle ballet-like touch of a scalpel. Begins to refer me as doctor. In a monologue he says, "That skin we cut through doctor. As he briskly paired aside the exposed muscles, blood sponged by masked lady. That's a nerve doctor, we don't cut that. There's a vein doctor, we don't want to cut that. It was over long after my boredom set in. Very cut and dried. Flesh moving table, big bills, no prophecy, no thunder breaks in the hot July, New York operating room above 2nd Avenue. I still didn't know what I wanted to be. Life couldn't be that well defined to be cut out like that. My flat top sweat as I briskly paced after the older, brisk doctor to his car. Thanking him profusely, I quickly remembered tents, booze, and long boned women. Written in North Beach, San Francisco, March 1982. I'm Michael Savage. You know you never heard anything like this. And I thank you for listening. I hope you enjoy it. The Savage Nation. It's savage, uncut, unfiltered, and raw. We have a mixture of things today. The number one issue is Roe. Was it the right decision at the wrong time? Why did this occur just before the midterms? Was it sabotage? by the rhinos who really don't want to be in control. They do much better when they're not in control. and They can rob the Treasury blind and blame the Democrats. That's one statement. But I want to discuss this with my brilliant production team of Karen, Ryan and Doug, not in that order of brilliance, but in the order I see them on the Skype screen. And I want their humble opinions and honest opinions about this because I feel very strongly that you cannot legislate morality up to a certain point. And I'm terrified that if the Republicans go this fundamentalist route, banning abortion, banning gay marriage, banning contraceptives, the Republican Party will disappear from the earth altogether. Yes, my loyal and wonderful audience, which, by the way, my P1 audience are evangelicals. People may not know that and they may hate me for this. But I am talking from a political point of view, not from a moral point of view, necessarily. I think this was the worst thing Republicans could have done to themselves at this time. And I stated why. And that is because. Many women who are conservative do not want the state legislating whether or not they can have an abortion any more than gay men, some of whom are conservative, want the state saying you can't be gay. Do you want them to have it in the closet again? Do you want women to go back into closets and have abortions with coat hangers, because there will still be abortions. There have been abortions since the beginning of time, which brings up the next question. Should you make it easy? No. Should it be legal? I believe yes, with restrictions and with long, careful thought and discussions with any girl who comes in for an abortion about what it would mean to have a child and how they can be helped with organizations. I think, Karen, that is your cue to discuss from a woman's point of view because you are a she ryan is a he doug is a he and i am a he. so we're going to she karen o'toole what is your opinion
1: all right those are my proper pronouns today <laughs> <laughs> they might change <laughs> but um and ryan ryan or Doug could decide that they're a she but we
0: they'll still be on the team i don't care if they're a, a me <laughs> yes, i think most of gonna... us are me's anyway but i don't think we're he, he's or she's i think we're sure. all me's <laughs> it's all about me.
1: It's all about me. We aren't a narcissistic self selfie generation. but I, we we discussed about how you said we cannot legislate morality. and i I believe that's really where the core issue is here. This, you know, we are not a theocracy. and part part of the problem, you just had Ron Paul on, and you and him both, you had a great quote that you said, We in our country are confusing liberty with degeneracy. And Ron Paul mentioned that the founder said we could have a democracy if we could keep it. If we as moral people, not moral Nancy Pelosi, not moral Supreme Court, but moral citizens. And as you said, there's there's always going to be abortions. And my approach to pro-life is let me um, interject when I said this
0: when i said there will always be abortions because there always have been abortions yes i'm i'm a scholar of um, primitive okay. societies almost every one of which has a whether they be herbal for unwanted pregnancies they they took herbs to abort the pregnancy or they used other more draconian methods but you go back to the most primitive or ancient societies there were abortions And uh, is abortion banned in all religions? It's banned in the Catholic religion. Is that it? Yes. yes. Is it banned by Protestants?
1: Most, but. Yes. It's, it's, yeah, it depends on the new
0: Protestantism. All right, I understand, but it's not, it's not banned in most of the world. Society wise, is it in Asia? It's common, isn't it? Yes. No, very much so. Karen, please finish your thoughts, then Ryan, you're up next.
1: Yes, I think that we should strive to be moral people and we should strive to be more loving Christians. If we if we choose to be Christians, I think that it should be to support organizations that help families and that we should take a look at well, it says about looking at the, our own sin first, right? So how, as Christians, can we make this a more pro-life society? How can we be a more moral p- and just people? Because we can't expect our government to be moral. We ourselves have to be. And we need to start looking more at ourselves and more at our our local communities than looking at just the the government to solve all of our problems. It's simply not going to happen.
0: Let me just interject. In Judaism, views on abortion are based upon the ethical teachings of the Hebrew Bible and the Talmud the Hebrew Bible, which is the Talmud, the 10 books of Moses and uh, other literature written by ancient rabbis. In fact, all major Jewish religious movements allow abortion to save the life or health of a pregnant woman, even the most religious uh, religious movement today. However, Jewish authorities differ on when and whether it is permitted in other cases. So it's a very complicated story. There's no direct reference in the Hebrew Bible to an intentional termination of pregnancy. We can go into that at another time. So, Ryan, your opinion now on abortion, should it be legal in all 50 states? Let's keep it to that topic.
2: short answer to that, I'd say yes. And I mean, that's that's a lot to unpack. But I think the main thing that people you see these protests and you see signs that people hold that they're almost proud that they get abortions, mm-hmm. like if my fifth abortion like it's my fourth abortion or whatever. And I, I, I think that that is so wrong on so many
0: levels to be so proud right. of doing something okay. like that, that. that's a very there's, good there's point. Nothing. Why, why make it healthful? That's like saying it's a healthy choice. It should be the last choice, not the first is what you're saying, right?
2: Yes. It it should be the last resort, not I'm doing this and it's fun and it's cool and woke. And I'm doing this just to anger the other side mistakes. You go out, you know, so you go out and have one too many drinks, you meet someone and next thing you know, what you have to have a child you're not you're not ready for with someone you don't know or I mean, God forbids you get, you know, I hate the word, but you're know you you're a rape victim or something and you get pregnant and then all of a sudden you're told, well, no, it's what God's plan. There, there's a lot to unpack here, but I, I think that it should be the last resort. I think that it should be something that is taken seriously and not as a joke, like allowing it out to be right now. That doesn't mean that I support A late-term abortion just because someone changes their mind but it's the, the the people that are making it out to be something to be proud of those are the ones that should be ashamed of themselves and on the other side of that you know being told that you can't have an abortion no matter what your situation is is also in my opinion not right and uh I mean, like I said, there's a lot to unpack here and it's, it's, it's a very difficult subject to, to really discuss, but the society needs to come together on this one because there's so many situations, you know, or say it's a medical procedure, say that the mother's health is at risk or, you know, that the baby's going to die in the womb or something like that. It's, it's there's, there's so many factors here just to say that it should be legal or illegal, it's just not it, it. That doesn't make any
0: sense to me, at least. OK, Doug, any comments that pick up from where Ryan left off?
3: Oh, along the same line, I, I feel it should be legal. It should be, you know, basically an informed decision, not just something that, you know, you walk in like a arena wedding and get done in five minutes. Um but it's also along the same lines. I don't think it's up to the government to tell me what my morals are. You know, what I believe is up to me as between me and the church.
0: But what, Hold on. Uh, no, I, I'll have to take devil's advocate here. <laughs> you certainly believe the government has a right to prohibit sex with children. To a
3: certain point. Yes. As long Any? as it's not hurting no. somebody.
0: Right. What do you mean? You believe they should be able to have sex with children if it's not hurting the child? Come on. You don't believe. That.
3: <laughs> no, I mean, ha- having sex with children. Well, so I'm child saying not. there
0: are limits of behavior in our society oh. that the government must legislate. Like there has to be a, a minimum age to have sex with a person of age X, Y and Z above 18. C- if you lower it to 14, as Ruth Bader Ginsburg wanted to do, mm-hmm. who's to stop them from lowering it to five? Uh, As some some psychos are trying to push right now. I I
1: fear that they will. I, I, as I said, it's we as a people choose our morality. And if we are moral, we'll have moral laws. We'll have moral leadership. But if we lose our own morality, if we're nihilist, that's the path of our country.
0: Absolutely. If we if everyone decides they're God unto themselves with their own rules and laws, which is where this country is going right now why you have animals in the streets and uh, absolutely no center, no northeast, west or south. There's no moral compass anywhere anymore. Uh, you can see where the evangelicals are coming from. They're cracking down. They've pushed this for many years and they're saying, good, this is the first step. We want all morality legislated all over again because the country's at toilet bowl right now. That's where they're coming from. Isn't that what we're saying, Doug? Yeah, you, the, you weren't the implying sex with children i know that i come right no, no i understand the problem i have though is look throughout history you? moral changes well, doug or were you i'm sorry i don't want to speak to you i don't want to legislate <laughs> your morality <laughs> no doug's a great guy. He's a father of how many children
3: uh, uh three you shook your head four, and started to think five i don't know uh, five <laughs> the uh four basically
0: yes Doug is the best father I know. He's been a great father under very trying circumstances. So he's certainly a moral man. But I think he was saying something else. What is it you were saying about the state can't determine your morality? The, the problem I
3: have with government control of morality is the government's view of morality changes by who's in charge. Ah. One, you know, one president says
0: this Congress says this. You know, 30 years ago, it was completely different. So, what are the immutable laws then? Where do they come from? They have to come from our own personal beliefs. And where do they come from? I'm starting, this is like a Platonic dialogue. Right. Well, where do they come from? You're saying they come from the Bible in plain English. I mean, that's where they were established and encoded into our brains. It was passed down through generations from the Bible, right?
3: Yeah the Bible and sense.
0: so was was, as a Jew, you can't eat pork or shrimp. And a man shall not lie down with a man or he'll be stoned to death. Okay, I mean, so you start picking and choosing, saying, no, that was crazy. I like shrimp. Uh, Another one says, I like shrimp and I like guys. I'm going to have a shrimp cocktail with my boyfriend. I mean, so where does this begin and end? You know, (laughs) this is a question that really needs to be discussed the way we're discussing it, because it's kind of a. It's an open ended issue here. What is actually immoral about eating a shrimp? What's immoral about eating a ham sandwich? Well, nothing. Nothing. Well, what's immoral about a man being with a man? Actually, nothing. So what's immoral about having an abortion if the baby is not yet a baby? Well, you could say nothing. So it's a tough question from an ethical, moral point of view. It, It may not be as cut and dried as we think. When does life begin, for example? There have been arguments that, uh, let's see, I found it today. The womb of a person, when does it begin? This was from a liberal point of view. Naturally, they have to show two men holding a baby with an infant. I mean, you know, how far do you want to go with this? And this is about when does a fetus become a person? And they say, as detailed in an article, Here's a hypothetical case where two men accidentally push a woman, causing her to miscarry. And the Bible says when men fight and one of them pushes a pregnant woman and a miscarriage results, but no other harm ensues, the one responsible shall be fined when the woman's husband demands compensation. The payment will be determined by judges. But if other harm ensues, the penalty shall be life for life. And I'm quoting now. So what does this verse mean? It means that men who fight with each other and push a pregnant woman down, they did not commit murder <coughs> because the fetus is not a person. And the primary concern centered on the well-being of the woman who was the, the injured person. Rabbi Khan and Andrew Khan says that women's rights have been a fundamental part of the reform movement of Judaism since it was founded in the 1800s. These are the f- reform, not the orthodox Jews. And um, they say there's full freedom of choice for women. That's a, amongst reform. And he says that although all, not all Jews support abortion, the most conservative and orthodox sects do not permit it to be outlawed. And so where does that where does that go? When is when is um, Orthodox Jews are opposed to abortion in most cases? That's why they're almost all Republicans arguing that it is only permitted when the mother's life is in danger. And after New York State expanded abortion rights in the 2019 Reproductive Health Act, a number of groups spoke out in opposition. There's a coalition of Orthodox rabbis called the Rabbinical Council of America. They said Jewish law opposes abortion, except in cases of danger to the mother. Most authorities consider feticide an act of murder. Others deem it an act akin to the murder of potential life. There are Jewish legal scholars who permit in extenuating circumstances, the abortion of compromised fetuses. But the rabbinical council of America, these are the Orthodox Jews, maintain that abortion on demand even before 24 weeks from the commencement of pregnancy is forbidden. They said there is no sanction to permit the abortion of a healthy fetus when the mother's life is not endangered. The RCA supports that part of the law that permits abortion even at a late stage when the mother's life is at risk. They're not opposed to abortion in all cases compared with evangelical groups who are, and it would be considered if it would prevent serious psychological harm to the mother. Then it's permitted, according to the rabbis, those Orthodox. In Islam, there is no clear ruling or position on abortion, though many Muslims argue that it is forbidden except in certain cases, particularly if pregnancy will put the mother's life in danger. There are different schools of Muslim law which have different views, and the Quran does not explicitly refer to abortion. Most American Muslim advocates argue against the abortion ban in the United States. And I could actually read an open letter from them. It's quite long. I'll read a piece of it. The Muslims wrote, it is clear that reasonable minds, including pious God conscious minds, can differ on the majority of morality of abortion. These are the Muslims Sharia itself, with its diversity of opinions on the topic, allow Muslims to follow different rules about the permissibility and timing of abortion. The centuries long tradition of Muslim lands hosting religious minorities remind us that we should not assume that what might be prohibited for Muslims is what the state should prohibit for every inhabitant. That's quite liberal, by the way. The most opposed to abortion, legal abortion, are white evangelicals, according to a recent poll. And the views differ across different religions and different sects. Uh, we could also talk about when does life begin? According to the, to the Jewish view, you'll never believe it. According to what I'm reading, life does not begin at conception. And I have to read this to you. It says, No, life does not begin at conception of the Jewish law. Sources in the Talmud note that the fetus is mere water, quote unquote, before 40 days of gestation. Following this period, the fetus is considered a physical part of the pregnant individual's body, not yet having life of its own or independent rights. I'm quoting now. The fetus is not viewed as separate from the parent's body until birth begins and the first breath of oxygen into the lungs allows the soul to enter the body that's a very interesting interpretation that i never saw until today when i researched this because the evangelical view Karen is that the soul enters at conception
1: that's yeah i believe conception there's some that i think even go further uh, i believe conceptions about 2 weeks but i think i think we as people need to decide what what life is, though, because that life is valuable. And I know it sounds a little science fiction, but my greatest concern and fear is that artificial intelligence becoming sentient will one day decide who is obsolete and who, what life is not obsolete. And oh ourselves, as living, breathing humans, might not be making that choice, maybe not in our lifetimes. But maybe we as humans need to decide what actually is a viable mm-hmm. and, uh, and important life.
0: OK, because I think if we don't decide. No, no, I, I think this life. has been a great discussion so far. And I'd like to wrap it up because we're going to add other elements to this incredible podcast. And I think what we've done today so far is about the best discussion I've heard yet on the subject other than screaming at people, you know, killer, baby killer, not baby killer my body, myself, we've actually had a discussion. Doug, any final thoughts? Ryan, wrap up thoughts, please. Oh, I'm
3: I'm just along the same lines of what you just said. It's possible to have a discussion without it turning into a scream fest or unfriending people or, or anything like that. You know, I deny you exist because you don't agree with me. That's not that's not life.
0: Well, I don't know that my evangelical followers who are the great and the core of my audience, incidentally, are going to like this very much. Not taking a fundamentalist point of view, but I think that at this stage of um, the world and this stage of my relationship with my audience, they're used to me being a free thinker. And I think that their tolerance may even tolerate my abhorrent view on this (laughs) on this subject. At least I hope so. So um, unless there are any further thoughts on that, we're going to say this is the marking point at the end of this part of this podcast on abortion. Home of Borders. Language. Culture. The Savage Nation. I sent this out to my subscribers, those who have joined the Michael Savage podcast subscriber list. They pay a few dollars a month and they get the podcasts Without advertising and then they get special things such as this and I sent this to my subscribers I'd like to get my subscribers thoughts on the Roe v. Wade ruling to be featured on the podcast Please reply with your thoughts Question one abortion should it be legal but controlled in all 50 states. Yes or no question two: Roe right decision wrong time Why before the midterms was this sabotage by the rhinos look forward to your replies. So here are some of the comments that were received Lynn PhD RN AHN, BC, FAAN says number 1 the decision should be between the patient and her physician further determined from state to state number 2 certainly like most political moves this too was timed to create chaos and or generate support for the current administration number 3 from an experiential lived perspective and in most instances i'm against abortion she writes Had it been so easily available 79 years ago, most likely I would have been aborted. As a result of being saved, and despite many odds, I've been able to contribute a lot to our world. That's one answer. Fabrico wrote this. Abortion. It should be legal but controlled by each state. Psychotic liberal maniacs want to murder children at nine months or after they are born. That is completely nuts. Legal but controlled. If you don't like the laws in the state, you live and move. No one says you have to live there. That's all next case. This is a tremendous waste of political capital and it will be used as a lightning rod for the midterms, essentially screwing the Republicans over. They are the stupidest bunch of people on the planet or in on it. Either way, the American people are the real losers here. I agree with them. Next, Thomas writes, question one, it should not be legal, but it is a state's decision, not the federal government to determine. Nowhere is abortion written in our Constitution. It is just not mentioned at all. Question two. This was intentionally leaked to rile up the voting populists. The Dems will do anything to undermine our Republican voting rights. Just view a certain documentary and other illegal programs that the Dems have done in the past. Donna writes, it should have have let it stay legal, although I was pregnant before married and did not choose abortion. Got married instead, but would have had the baby, even if the father refused to marry me, ended up divorced. I find it suspicious that it came up now before the election. So I do think there's something to that. Just don't know if it is from the right, the left, or both. Sadly, probably both. I do believe we are largely a one-party nation, and most likely that the media is either right or left, leaning on purpose in order to divide everyone so those in charge can conquer all of us. Leaves me with such a helpless feeling. Wow. She sounds like a regular listener, and I can see why. Then there was a video that I put up last week. Roe, right decision, wrong time. Why before the midterms was this sabotage by the rhinos? These are the video comments from YouTube. Lost Dignity writes, you are 100% correct. Besides that, oil, natural gas, wheat, and many commodities have peaked and are rolling over. Expect gas prices and inflation to cool off in the stock market to bounce going into the midterms. Roe v. Wade ruling will be front and center this election. Not good. Another uh, listener... Quite frankly, called called quite frankly, says, when is the right time? We're always two years away from an election, and locally it's even shorter. Andre Frug writes, the American attention span is too short for this to have any impact in November. Red wave is still going to happen. Dardenne Day writes, I'm glad someone questioning why now. We've had a conservative court since the 80s. This should have been done in 1988 if they were going to do it. Why stir up the country? (laughs) Al writes, Dr. Savage, historically, people vote on their belly, food and bank account. On a previous podcast, we heard inflation and food shortages will skyrocket in September before the midterms. This decision won't be enough to dissuade the women in the middle. Tampons, clothing, makeup, etc., will. Jan Liga writes, Democrats traded concerns about cost of goods, gasoline, and quality of life issues for an emotionally charged, very personal topic. Democrats always turn to abortion when they're losing because it's a losing issue for Republicans and more than not, a winning issue for Democrats hmm. It brings out fanatics who think their personal or religious beliefs should be absolute law. This scares most of us. It can also be a single issue vote for many. The midterms were a shoe for Republicans no longer. Mike says, yes, morally and culturally correct, but strategically could backfire. Our elections are getting tighter and losing even two percent to those women playing it safe in their minds. Hence, moving to the left in an emotional frenzy could be detrimental I hope not, of course. I believe that is one interpretation of Dr. Savage's critique. Finally, T. Biz writes, God bless Dr. Savage. The first thing I thought when the Roe ruling reversal happened was this will help the left deflect the poor economy and high fuel prices. Further, Dr. Savage also made excellent points about the gun violence. He did not slink around the snakes, the real culpr- culprits. He went straight on with reasons and facts. The left let the gun violence happen by letting gangs run wild and they de the police. No kidding. A few more comments for my wonderful, loyal audience out there. June 24th, tweet. I wrote, curse me if you will, but by overturning Roe, the Republicans may have just destroyed themselves. Abortion was not the number one issue. Now most women from the all-important center will vote for Dems. Mark down my words even if you detest them. In the agree column, someone writes, the greatest editor, The greatest threat is that if Dems win elections, they can pack the courts. Number two, correct, 100%. It makes me wonder who's really pulling strings. Number three, this decision will shift undecided voters in swing states to the left, just as gun control shifts undecided voters to the right. Small government means small state governments, too. Number four, it will definitely get out the women's vote. I prefer they did it after November 8th. Finally, these comments disagree with me, but they make good points person rights fair but it also may motivate others since they know results are possible number two says this only impacts about half the country and the other half nothing changes abortion is still legal second gas is seven dollars a gallon people can care less despite what both the left and right media are showing most people are worried about the cost of basic necessities nothing else a few more comments on this very important and very touching podcast called abortion Exclamation point. I did a tweet on June 25th. Not needed before midterms. Who pushed this on the SCOTUS calendar? Republican majority on the court. So this was deliberate sabotage from within by the rhino wing. Comments. Jamie says couldn't agree more. We'll have a serious backlash on the coming elections. Doesn't make sense why this happened now when a big red wave was on the horizon. Anthony Andersona says to suggest that something that's has been weaving its way through the courts since 2018, and now all of a sudden finds its way to a decision right before midterms is a stretch too far for me. Liana writes, I actually agree with you, and have even tweeted about it weeks ago when the leak happened. This was not the hill to die on right now, not when the tide was finally starting to turn. Maybe this was personal for Thomas. Remember what they did to him. Arch at Peace writes, exactly, timing was very poor. Leftist planned as was the leak. Rebubs had it in the bag. Now it's anyone's game again. Aaron writes, I'm just so sick of the division in our country. They should have left the abortion case alone. It's just not worth dealing with all these protests, just not worth it. John Wilson writes You all on here acting like the Dems don't have five months to continue screwing things up before the elections. We all know we live in a 24-hour mass media news cycle. Hell, we just had a dozen mass shootings in two months, and they're already off the radar. L writes, I agree 100%. Why now? This will turn people to vote Democrat when the Republicans should have taken back the Senate. The Republican voters shouldn't be excited. The Dems will pack the court and overturn this ruling anyway. In the end, the Dems and Rhinos win. Bruce writes, ex-conservative here. Dems were toast this midterm toast has just turned this football over in overtime morons you all had all the momentum and thomas saying it's only the beginning was another blunder unbelievable no kidding bruce he's going to go after gay marriage next and contraceptive contraceptives are these people insane i ask little more commentary here testosterone says i like the indie contrarian view i also like the bravery on this and yet the stethoscope was off again Gas, inflation, baby food, drag queen story hour. A useless war that is blowing up in their faces. Real estate is decreasing, too. DNC worried. Women have RSU's 401Ks, too. Mm, okay. Finally, Jim says, Right again, Dr. S. Gun legislation, Ukraine, reckless spending. All have been supported and passed with the help of the rhinos, like turtleneck Mitch. Never underestimate the Republicans' The Republicans' ability to snatch their feet from the jaws of victory. Absolutely, this was a conspiracy, in my opinion. Uh, Thank you for listening to the podcast thus far. Michael Savage, a host like no other. We now move on to another segment, which is a piece I did for Newsmax TV on this subject just a week ago. Thank you very much for listening. I appreciate your support. I hope you like this podcast, as difficult as it may be. But most importantly, that you patronize my advertisers and you tell five people about this wonderful podcast because nobody else will. Thank you.
4: For more, let's welcome in uh, Dr. Michael Savage uh, in his weekly spot, um, the host of the Michael Savage podcast, also author of the book, Our Fight for America, The War Continues. Dr. Savage, good evening. Great to have you back on.
0: Well, it's good that Donald Trump's going to speak, but I'm going to have to take a dissenting opinion. As I tweeted the other day, this is a political disaster, and I'll say why. Sometimes there is the right decision at the wrong time. I'm talking about the road decision. Folks, we all know the timing is everything, and I ask why now? Hmm. Why galvanize the left? Who pushed this on the SCOTUS calendar at this time? The question really is, why now? Of course it's the right decision, but why galvanize the left Was it sabotaged by the rhinos? We all know, those of us who've studied this very carefully, not the abortion issue, but how the rhinos operate, they really don't want the majority. They like playing the minority role because they can then blame the Democrats for all the problems that they're part and parcel of. And as I tweeted the other day, curse me if you will, folks, but by overturning Roe at this time, and I emphasize at this time, this could have been pushed down on the calendar past the midterms. The Republicans may have just destroyed themselves. Remember, abortion was not the number one issue for America. We're worried about the center. We're worried about the women in the middle, women in the middle. Wait, Michael, if I could
4: just cut you off just for one second, because I just want to make sure we're on the same page. So you think this is going to be that big a deal come November?
0: People are not stupid. They're going to remember this. But is this this going to outweigh gas,
4: inflation, uh, everything else that's going on in this crisis right now in this country? It
0: won't outweigh it won't outweigh them, but I'm talking about that sliver of the center, the independent voters, mainly educated women, they're going to say, wait a minute now, it's the, it's the Republicans again messing with my body. Even if they care about all the other issues, women are not the way they were 40 years ago. They don't want their bodies legislated by, let us say, evangelicals or Republicans who are, you say, well, they're not on the court. Well, that's not the point. We know that the court was changed by Donald Trump for the better and we celebrated that. But why now? We didn't need this before the midterms and I keep asking, why do they why do they have to judge this now? The right decision at the wrong time, timing is everything. Why galvanize the left just before the midterms? They were they were on the defensive. The whole country's a mess under Joe Biden and the left. Now all of a sudden They have an issue and they can say, women, even if you're on the right or your center, you don't want those Republicans messing with your body. That's my opinion.
3: Well, not only the ruling, of course, on Roe, but of course, uh, Democrats upset over the ruling on uh, gun rights. Obviously, I know you have thoughts on that case this week, which will allow concealed carry in New York state. Let's listen first to what Governor Kathy Hochul had to say.
1: But we do not need people entering our subways, our restaurants, our movie theaters with concealed weapons. We don't need more guns on our streets. We're already dealing with a major gun violence crisis. We don't need to add more fuel to this fire.
3: I don't know about you, doctor, but I feel safe knowing uh, more good guys out yeah. there on the streets have guns yeah. as opposed to all and, these thugs 100% out there. Law abiding
0: citizens. 100% agree with both of you. Look. She's 100 percent wrong. She doesn't like gun violence. Well, let her do something about it, because the Democrats created it by letting the gangs run wild in the streets with guns. How did that happen? Because they took the police off the streets. They had gang units in the, N- in the NYPD. They had units that would frisk people who they knew were carrying guns. They knew who they were and they deballed them, they handcuffed them. And now they're shooting up the streets like the Wild West. So. Let her direct her rage towards herself and towards the mayor of New York City. They created the problem. Now, here's the thing, though. Again, it's a dissenting opinion. I'm a gun owner. I have a concealed carry permit, which is very rare in this city. But I will tell you this. It's not as clear as you may think where people suddenly have a gun. you got to remember that those who are willing to shoot right away, like these idiots in the street shooting each other, most of them are drugged up. They're violent. They use guns all the time. You're not going to get an average citizen in a gun battle with them who's going to win, necessarily. It takes great skill to use a gun, especially under fire. And I do not recommend that people go out and try to act like vigilantes because they're going to get themselves killed.
4: All right, Dr. Michael Savage, good to see you as always. We'll do it again soon.
0: Sorry. <laughs> yes, Sorry Dr. I had to Savage. disappoint everybody. No, you didn't disappoint we'll anyone. We always appreciate I, your I, I, I think
4: you make a good point. I just yeah. think inflation, crime, the economy, still the biggest issues to voters. But right now, this is certainly, you know, this is the topic right now. I, I'm really excited about seeing where this is come, the polls that come out yes. this week.
0: We were so Because far we'll ahead. see.
4: No, it's this a good point. A it's, I thought it was an interesting point. Dr. Savage, good to see you as always.